Welcome to it. It's a Tuesday that feels like a Monday, but it's also a four-day work week, which is a great thing. Mike Opelka back with you on the Pure Opelka podcast. Yeah, we've been out of uh, out of touch for a while. Had some technical issues. I think we got them straightened out. You can also hear what I did last week on uh, the Chris Plant Show podcast last Monday and Tuesday. So there is product out there as well as my appearances with Tracy Beans on the Dark to Light podcast. We'll get to all of that. A new one of those returns tomorrow. But today, the 31st day of May, the end of May, is um, is kind of an important day. It is uh, a day that we look back in history and, and we see some pretty interesting things. I love looking back on history and see what happened on this day back in the day because there are so many things that have effects on on events today. For example, on this date in 1790, George Washington signed the first copyright law into effect. Now, copyright law, patents and copyrights are huge. And I, I don't think people fully understand how patent law and copyright law made America one of the greatest countries on the planet. Because before patent and copyright laws, you really weren't able to use your brain to make a living. And patent and copyright laws did that. George Washington signing in the first copyright law made you able to monetize the writings or songs that you would create. And think of how many people, how many authors, how many songwriters were able to then create a life for themselves. Maybe they weren't able to work at physical labor or manufacturing something, but their brains were so incredible that they were able to create a life and a business out of, out of thin air. Copyright laws, patent laws, what made America what it is today. And I can prove it to you. On this date in 1884, Dr. John Kellogg applied for a patent on a cereal, a flaked cereal he was making from corn. Follow me on this. Kellogg, flaked cereal made from corn. Yeah, became kind of a monster business, didn't it? His brother Keith, though, is the genius who truly got rich marketing and selling Kellogg's cornflakes. But the, the patent is what gave Dr. Kellogg and his product protection and allowed him to amass that fortune. Uh, it was also on this date, I forget which year it was, in the 18, I think it was in the 1860s, that Lee and Perrins was able to uh, get a patent on Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce, which nobody can spell or pronounce correctly, I'm sure. And I don't think any of us have ever lived long enough to buy a second bottle. I've never used enough of it. Have you? But I'm a big fan of patents and copyrights. It's just one of those things that America has. Uh, other countries have it in some way, shape, and form. But I think we were the leaders on this, especially in patenting things. Now, news over the weekend. Of course, you marked Memorial Day with a respectful celebration, a respectful honoring of those who died so we could live in this great country. Yesterday, at 3 p.m., you were supposed to pause for a minute 
and say a prayer of thanks and say a prayer just remembering everybody who didn't come home. It, um, it's, it's a date that I don't go around saying happy Memorial Day. I just say remember Memorial Day. Now let's get into some of the crazy news of the weekend. A lot of news around guns and gun control and alleged uh, common sense gun control. That's what the, the left keeps saying. Oh, we just want common sense. So the 5,000 existing laws in, in gun control, they're not common sense. Why don't you just wipe them out? Congressman Thomas Massey from uh, Kentucky, my buddy Thomas Massey, is uh, planning on getting the um, Gun-Free School Zone Act repealed. He wants Congress to repeal the Gun-Free School Zone Act. Why? Well, 90% of the uh, mass shootings in this country in the last 50, 60 years happened in gun-free zones. Sounds like a good idea. Let's, uh, let's not make gun-free zones like schools and theaters and churches an attractive place for crazy people. Do the right thing. Representative Thomas Massey, again, with some real smarts. Now, on the other side of the real smarts coin, on the dumb side of the coin, Adam Kinzinger, a guy who appears to have left the GOP, even though he still claims to be a Republican, he's now saying he's open to a ban on the AR-15. And he also talked about other gun control reforms. No, thank you. No, thank you. Don't blame the gun. Stop blaming the gun. Joe Biden, our president, will probably leap on Kinzinger's idea when he returned home from his his grief tour. Joe Biden went to Uvalde, very close to the border, by the way. He didn't go to the border. He went to Uvalde, Texas, over the weekend and met with some of the families. That's the right thing for him to do. While he's doing this, uh, meeting with families who lost loved ones or had loved ones injured because of crazy people, uh, maybe he should go to uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. No, it was Waukesha, Waukesha, Wisconsin. should go to Waukesha, Wisconsin and meet with the families. 61 people injured, six killed by a racist madman with an automobile mowed down the Christmas parade last winter, Joe. You haven't been there. Yeah, I know. But we did hear from Joe. Joe arrived back at the White House after all this, and uh, he talked briefly with the press and seems to be revealing the plan of the Democrats when it comes to guns. He seems to be revealing what what he's um, he's wanting to do and what the left side of his party is wanting to do, and that is ultimately ban access to all firearms in the hands of private citizens. They only want the government to have guns. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? That, that, uh, anyway, here's what Joe said yesterday. He's, he's um, just on the uh, lawn by Marine One, the helicopter, and uh, it's a little hard to hear, but I think you can make out the gist of it. And they showed me an a, 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 a x-ray. He said a 22 caliber bullet will lodge in a lung. We can probably get it out, maybe able to get it, and save the life. A 9mm bullet blows the lung out of the body. So the idea of these high-caliber weapons is that there is simply no rational basis for it 
terms of about self-protection, hunting. I mean, I guess, and remember, the Constitution, the Second Amendment, was never absolute. So he's saying the Constitution, the Second Amendment, is never absolute, and and claiming now that nine millimeter weapons are too much, and that we should go to twenty two caliber. Is that going to be the limit for civilians can have twenty two caliber? Let's remember. Hmm. Let's remember that uh, Bobby Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, when he was close to. Securing the Democratic nomination, he was probably going to be on his way to a fairly comfortable win of uh, the presidency before he was assassinated by Sirhan Sirhan in uh, California during a a uh, campaign appearance. Assa- assassinated, shot, was shot by a twenty-two caliber firearm, twenty-two caliber handgun. The Democrats are not going to be happy until they get rid of every single weapon, every single one of them. And uh, I think they're taking their lead from our neighbors to the north, from uh, America's hat, Canada. That's what uh, Homer Simpson calls Canada, America's hat. I call them America's favorite suburb. Canada has 38, 39 million people. We have 310, 320 million people. We shouldn't be taking our cues from Canada. Yeah, we can listen to them. But um, Canada, we've outclassed you on so many levels. You've been by our side in a couple of wars. But uh, I really think you're in the minors. We're in the majors. Let's not try and uh, live by what Canada does. And yesterday, Canada's prime minister, Justin Trudeau, uh, he said the quiet part really loudly about what Canada's going to do when it comes to guns and firearms. Two years ago, our government banned 1,500 models of assault-style weapons, including the Ruger Mini-14 used at Polytechnique and the AR-15. We also expanded background checks to keep firearms out of the wrong hands. We did it because it was what responsible leadership required us to do. So if you didn't expand expand background checks or ban these weapons, you would have been irresponsible. So he's calling us irresponsible. And, you know, the Democrats don't like the Canadians calling us irresponsible. So they're already mad about that. But continue, Mr. Prime Minister. Last summer, during the campaign, some politicians said they would make assault-style weapons legal again. Not only did we stand up to them, but we promised to go even further to protect our communities. Now, as he's saying this, you can't see the video, but there's a whole bunch of people behind him, and most of them are wearing masks. I thought we were done with all that. Hmm, just an irritating sidebar. But here's uh, Prime Minister Trudeau laying down the hammer here on what he wants to do when he talks about going further. And so today, we're moving forward. Oh, no. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. A freeze on handgun ownership. Hmm. Democrats in America are taking notes. Hear what he said, a freeze on handgun ownership. What did he say next? What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns 
anywhere in Canada. So nobody's going to Canada, huh? None of us are going to want to go to Canada. Yeah, I, I just think this is a bad idea, a horrible idea. And everybody is being punished because of the actions of a few folks. That's what this is all about. And you know the Democrats, Joe Biden and the left side of the Democratic Party are looking at this going, yeah, let's do that. Well, there are 300 plus million. Somebody, Jonathan Turley said 400 million guns in America. How are you going to get all of those back? And uh, then who's going to be able to stand up to the bad guys? Over the weekend in West Virginia, there was a graduation party happening. I think it was at an apartment complex. High schoolers graduating, celebrating, getting ready to go off to college. It was about 40 or 50 people who were celebrating in a parking lot. A guy came driving through, and uh, he was driving through a little fast, so they yelled at him, said, hey, slow it down, dude. He got angry. He left. He came back with an AR-15, parked about 40 yards away, 40, maybe it's 40 feet away, started firing into the crowd. A woman who legally possessed a concealed carry firearm said, oh, no, this is not happening. And she approached the man firing, drew her legally, legally carried weapon and took him out. A good person with a gun prevented what could have been a mass shooting. If nobody has a gun, you think the bad guys are going to turn in their firearms? The government doesn't know where all the guns are. You think they're going to turn them in? There are 15 million AR-15s reportedly in the country. That means there's about 310 million other firearms in the country. You think everybody's going to turn those in? No, they're not. You're never taking the guns away from the bad guys, so you especially should not take them away from the good guys. Just my thoughts on this. And by the way, Joe Biden keeps repeating this story about uh, you couldn't own a cannon when the Second Amendment was written. Well, yes, you could. So that's disinformation, misinformation. Your own czar would be fining you, Joe. If that were the case, the other big story of the day that's uh, happening today that I think needs to be addressed is, of course, the baby formula problem. Of course, yeah, I'm, I know gas prices are high. I know inflation is up. I know the president is saying he's going to meet and, and have some words with his financial advisors about inflation. Couldn't you guys have just picked up the phone and talked? Couldn't you have done Zoom meetings every day? For the past six months or since you went into office and we saw inflation climbing since you took office. That's how you campaigned via Zoom and from the basement. Couldn't you go to the basement of the White House and pretend you're campaigning and talk to all your people and get good advice? No, you can't because you don't have good advice from people. On top of the gas prices, on top of the inflation is the baby formula crisis. It's not just a problem, it's a crisis. And uh, I think this was ABC News appears to be even turning on the president and reporting on the baby formula crisis. 
This story aired over the weekend. With store shelves still barren across the country, tonight communities organizing giveaways to help desperate families in need of baby formula. I have no baby formula for my baby for the last two weeks. An estimated 70% of the nation's baby formula supplies now out of stock. In Dearborn, Michigan on Friday, cars lined up for nearly a mile waiting for formula. Volunteers struggling to meet the demand as some in line were turned away empty-handed. I'm just like overwhelmed at this point. With yeah. store shelves. Yeah, so it's amazing. 70% estimate. 70% of America out of baby formula. I, I'm going to play the whataboutism game. Got no shame in my game on this one. If you go back, and this were under Donald Trump, remember the pandemic food lines where people were lined up in traffic to get a box of food? And that was 24-7. And they were blaming Donald Trump for it when it was pretty much the Democrats forcing everything to close down. States that didn't close down didn't have that problem. But now the, the lines to stand in, it's almost like the Soviet Union from the 60s and 70s is back. And we're hearing, hearing reports today, earlier today, that toilet paper and uh, feminine hygiene products Things for what? Can I say they're for women? No, because they'll say men use those too. No, they don't. But toilet paper, which everybody uses, and feminine hygiene products, which go to women. Not going to get into the debate over who's declared what. Um, Those are becoming uh, scarce too. So we're going to go back to a toilet paper shortage. Now we're going to go back to a tampon shortage. Now we're going to be faced with the baby formula shortage. We're also being told that there's going to be a possible grain shortage because of the Ukrainian situation. We do supply a lot of grain, but we also rely on other places for different grains. Joe Biden has managed to turn America into the Soviet Union in 16 months, in 15 months. It is shameful. It is awful. And I hope all of your friends who voted for him Get a stern talking to and a reminder. And, and I also hope you don't forget how quickly the midterms are coming up and that we, we cannot claim any higher moral ground unless we put better people in those offices. Much better people. Unless we retire Nancy Pelosi from the speakership. Unless we retire Chuck Schumer from the Senate Majority Post. Speaking of Pelosi, you saw the story about her husband getting arrested. The uh, Paul Pelosi DUI story out of California over the weekend is one that amazed me, not because it actually made it to the news, it didn't get covered up, but because the guy who is married to the person who's two heartbeats away from the president is still driving himself. This is an important thing. I disagree with Pelosi on pretty much everything, pretty much every stinking thing. But uh, she is where she is, hopefully not for long. And she's two heartbeats away from being the president. God forbid anything happens to the president, vice president. We now have President Pelosi. Don't throw up in your mouth a little bit like I almost did. But why, why? Why is Paul Pelosi driving himself? 
He's 82 years old, number one. He's a very, very wealthy man. They own a vineyard. They have uh, mansions and homes worth several millions. They're very well off. He should not be driving himself. And I'm sure he has a Secret Service detail. So where in the hell was the Secret Service detail when Paul Pelosi was out getting hammered and then getting behind the wheel of his Porsche? Allegedly hammered. He's been charged. He's not been convicted. And the other story there is why can't we see a uh, mugshot? Anybody with an R after their name who would have been arrested for DUI would have a mugshot out already. Somehow it's, it's being suppressed. We don't know why, but there it is. That's a big stinking deal. Big stinking deal. Okay, so many stories to get to. We should talk a little bit about the wokeness. New York State at the end of the week announced they've solved all the other problems the state's having with crime, et cetera. Well, they didn't say that, but they must have solved all the crimes because the governor came out and told us that the state has now fixed the driver's licenses so you can get uh, the gender of X on your driver's license if you're not comfortable Accepting the fact that you're a male or a female. You cannot put an X on there. You idiots. The um, state of North Carolina is looking into a case where teachers, teachers were showing preschoolers how to identify colors. Because, you know, you learn your colors. Oh, the sky is blue. This crayon is the, the color of flesh, whatever the hell that might be, because everyone's different. Uh, but they found the flashcards being used to train the preschoolers also featured a pregnant man. The indoctrination has now started at, at the preschool level and needs to be dealt with. Absolutely. The U.S. military, Ramstein Air Force Base, our largest base in Europe, canceled a drag queen story hour that was planned for Pride Month at the base. They were going to have a drag queen story hour for the kids of the people stationed at Ramstein. And thank God that, that Marco Rubio complained because that's the only way this got canceled. And that's the only way taxpayer money was spared from being spent on a drag queen story hour. You guys, you're killing me. You're absolutely killing me. A couple of big trials that uh, could get to the jury sometime today. The Michael Sussman trial, he is the Clinton campaign lawyer who apparently got caught, I believe was caught, revealing the scam, the scheme, the plan, that the Clinton campaign campaign had foisted on the country and tricked the FBI, hoodwinked the FBI into investigating Donald Trump for an alleged Russia collusion scheme. Never really happened. It was all made up, made up out of whole cloth, paid for by millions and millions of donor dollars to the Clinton campaign. Hillary signed off on the plan to leak it to the media. So far, the only person they have charged any any significant crime was this Sussman cat, this attorney, and maybe maybe we'll get the decision from the jury. I'm dubious because the jury's in Washington. 
but there certainly is a mountain of evidence. And uh, former Attorney General William Barr said that the evidence shows there was sedition. Everything turned up from the Durham investigation currently shows sedition. So we'll see. The other big trial is, of course, the um, Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. The Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. And in order to get the straight scoop on that, I tracked down Wendy Patrick, our friend, attorney, author, public speaker, Wendy Patrick, because she's been covering it for uh, Court TV. And so uh, Wendy's joining us to explain whether or not this trial is ever going to end. Wendy, will it ever end? Well, it has to wrap up. And, you know, we are probably just thrilled uh, that we're going to have some closure here. And I don't mean closure as to we know what the jury is going to find, but I don't know whether anybody who's been watching this can take another day of this kind of testimony. I mean, obviously, the testimony from the parties, we'll just call them that, has been very emotional. It's been toxic. It's hard to listen to. It's vicariously traumatic for all of us that have followed it. Um, but it's also true that this just can't go back and forth forever. A jury's going to have to get back in that deliberation room and decide, as toxic as this relationship was, as wrong as it was for these two people to be together, do they think either side has proved not domestic violence but defamation? Yeah, that's the case, and, and they're both asking for money. And uh, I'm one of those people who believes Johnny Depp probably had a little bit higher ground than his ex Amber Heard, who knows, and that the jury's going to look at both of them. Just my guess, Winnie. Jury's going to look at both of them and go, look, you both behave badly. Johnny behave less badly. You get a dollar. That's all you get because you don't need any more. <laughs> and that's my thinking because these kind of suits tend to go that way. A am I wrong on that? Isn't that kind of a, a trend with some of these high-profile suits where the people really don't seem to need the money? Well, you, that's just it. And, you know, jurors aren't supposed to take that into consideration, but they will because if Johnny really lost his lucrative Pirates of the Caribbean franchise and his spot in the, the most latest installment of the movie, I mean, that franchise really turned his life around. You know, the, if that's true, that what that op-ed piece cost him now, now if he can prove that, if the jury believes he's proven that, well, then that's significant. But so, too, you know, you look at Amber's suit, and did she lose uh, out on opportunities because of what Johnny's lawyer said? So they're going to have to find causation uh, in addition to basically getting over that truth as a defense. And then they're going to have to find damages. So there's more to defamation than simply he said, she said. It is now what? Now can you prove that because of what the other person said falsely, you have lost business opportunities. You have been passed over in favor of other actors or actresses because now you're, you're damaged goods because of what these statements have done for your career and to your reputation. So there's much more to it that a jury is going to have to decide than the highlights reel that many of us have been watching on TV. Yeah, I, and you bring up damaged goods. And I wonder if either or both of them thought, you know, maybe we damaged ourselves just a little more by doing this. They might have become even more damaged goods by hanging their dirty laundry in public. Just a thought. Just throwing that out there. Uh, well, Wendy, as I go back through my memories of it, 
Uh, I remember the moments that popped up on social media because I wasn't able to be as deeply ingrained in it. I remember Johnny Depp smirking after being called old and boring, which I thought was pretty funny to to watch him react to that. Uh, He gave really intense personal testimony. Then there was the dog in the bed incident. Was it the dog that left the package there or not? Uh, Amber Heard with the audio talking about I hit you. Um, the the how many times did we set a record, a court record for objection hearsay, Your Honor? I, yeah, you know what? There's there was so much to the trial, and obviously the hearsay rules are very different when you're talking about parties making the statements. But you know there were a lot of objections. It was a very contentious case. It's it's unusual to have this kind of a dueling defamation countersuit. It's also interesting that you know. Um, one of them is suing for 50, you know, 50 percent more than the other. I mean, even the numbers that they're suing for, I think, were interesting. But at the end of the day, as fascinating as the public found this trial, it is going to be over and a jury's going to have to come back with a verdict. And, you know, you mentioned a dollar. I cannot tell you how many people I know that have said at the end of the day, um, this trial probably hurt the reputation even more than the bare allegations themselves. And at the end of the day, maybe they're just going to say, look, both of you take a dollar out of your wallet and exchange the dollar bills. There you go. Yes. So it'll be interesting to see what the jury does with all of this. And and that's that's my thinking. You know, that's that's like the parental wisdom on this. And it, I, I'm reminded of and I think it was a Donald Trump lawsuit uh, against the NFL by the uh, the original USFL uh, that was trying to compete with the NFL, and they 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 said that they were uh, being held up unfairly. And I think Trump won that case, but he got a dollar. And since he had sued for treble damages, he got three dollars in total. <laughs> so that that's where I kind of I'm going with this. And now, how long does this take? But what's going to probably happen here in terms of the you know what are both parties going to get? You know, regardless of what a jury does, there was also some sentiment expressed during the course of the trial that both parties wanted to clear their name. And why is that? That's because earning potential matters and may very well be tied to unsavory or unseemly allegations like domestic violence. So these are the kinds of things that both sides might believe, regardless of whether they need the money or not, they may be able to salvage their careers through being cleared, quote-unquote, by a jury. Now, you mentioned something that was interesting and that also I think a lot of people would agree with. It's hard to argue that given what we've sat through for the last several weeks, that any of that helped either of their careers. But that's not necessarily what they might have believed going into this. So, you know, that'll remain to be seen. Sometimes I'm always surprised by how drama sells. So maybe it's true that both will have maybe different kinds of roles offered to them. <laughs> because remember, part of the jury's analysis is going to be, you know, how did two actors come across on the witness stand? How ironic is that? Yeah. So, yeah, the jury may start right away. And then uh, then we wait. Then we go into official verdict watch. Uh, I, I bet you the verdict is over quickly. Uh, Wendy, I will apply a, a Hollywood axiom to your theory or your discussion of whether or not this uh, verdict either way will help either of their careers. And I believe it was the late Michael O'Donohue, one of the early Saturday Night Live geniuses, a, a brilliant writer who said the only bad press is your own obituary. 
And I, I think that's true in Hollywood. I think that still holds up. So they will bring press no matter what they do. It'll be the first film since the trial. It'll be the first stage show since the trial, whatever it is. So they, whoever decides they're worth the risk will then maximize the reputation, whether it's a good guy or a bad girl or vice versa. We shall see. Uh, Wendy, um, we'll probably do an update on this after it's all settled out. But I, um, I don't know if you've gotten your next show business uh, scandalous trial assignment, but I think I have it for you. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Kevin Spacey was charged with four counts of sexual harassment in England, and he's going to go on trial I guess, for these four cases. It, it sounds pretty serious. I don't mean to make light of, of the charges, but this popped today. I had no idea this was coming. So there will be another high-profile celebrity trial happening. I just don't know if England has the same kind of access to uh, what goes on in their courtrooms as we do. Do you know? Yeah, I don't know either, but that's going to be one to watch. I'm sure we'll be talking about that next time. Let's see how that goes. Yeah, and speaking of celebrities uh, who have gone through the criminal justice system, Jesse Smollett has a comeback happening. Uh, <laughs> BET is putting him in a series. So uh, just I go back to that theory. The only bad press is your own obituary. Uh, Jesse, he was convicted. Had to pay a bunch of stuff, and you know now he's back, and I'm sure HBO is going to cash in on his notoriety. Maybe not his talent, oh, but his notoriety. Oh, oh my goodness! You know what? That's one to watch too. Let's follow that. Let's follow Jesse Smollett through that as well. See how he does. I'm, See if his heart's in it. <laughs> I hope. I don't think Subway's going to sponsor it. That's all I'm saying. I'm putting, uh, no. No, probably no, no not. Way. Well, Wendy Patrick, my friend, uh, as I always say, you are a gem, and everybody needs to follow Wendy. She has great stuff on Twitter. And uh, and are, are you going to be on TV again for the wrap-up of this trial? Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, there's always something new coming up, always something new to talk about. But um, uh, hopefully, definitely, when the verdicts come in. So that'll be something to watch. My guess is next week sometime. Okay. Well, you ping me and I'll tell everybody and we'll all watch together and cheer you on. Oh, sounds good. Thanks, Mike. I have no faith it's ever going to end. But thank you, Wendy Patrick. Uh, before I get out of here today, I think we need a little winner's wisdom, don't we? From my friend Jim Stovall, the man behind the Narrative Television Network. Let's get Jim in here. He's next on the Pure Opelka Podcast. This time of year, as we go from uh, the end of the school year into summer, I am keenly aware of how many commencement addresses are going on out there. And uh, I've never been asked to do one of these, but our next guest, our regular guest, our friend Jim Stovall, the author, entrepreneur, uh, just great inspiration and a great public speaker, I'm guessing has probably given a few of these. Jim, welcome back. Are you a regular on the commencement address? Um, I guess, is there a, a league of some kind where you go around from, from college to college barnstorming with wisdom? I don't know that there's a league. I've done several of them, high school and college. And uh, I find that commencements are places where 
the most wisdom is passed out when the least number of people are paying any attention to anything you say, <laughs> and that's that's important. And uh, you know, I particularly the high school ones. I, you know, I tell them that you know there have been uh, some pretty tragic things happen to young people in the aftermath of the graduation. So uh, you know, really, uh, uh, you know. Have fun and uh, keep your head on straight and survive the evening and the summer. And, uh, you know, and the old saying is true, uh, commencement means the beginning. Education starts right now. Uh, hopefully you have learned how to learn at this point. And going forward, you need to pay attention to what you're going to learn. That, that's a, that's like a mini commencement address from Jim Stovall. Do you have on your computer or in your desk a commencement template that you would just then plug in the modern stuff of the day and you you begin with the 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 standard line like you said commencement is about the beginning and you're about to begin your life and then yeah. you, you modernize it you know as a professional speaker i guess you would say i i have about three hours of material I, and then i ran run low the people that you know, the people in the ministry who speak every week or, or teachers, they amaze me because uh, I have three hours of material. And, and I found out a long time ago, it's a whole lot easier to find a new audience than new material. So I move <laughs> around a lot. But for me, it's just how long do you want me to, to speak? And then in my mind, I, I visualize it like cars on a train. I know how long everything is. And okay, we'll put this together with that and that. And then, uh, of course, you've always got to know your audience and be aware of uh, what's gone on and what's happened and uh you know uh, uh, i don't i don't care what you had planned if there's a school shooting or a, uh some tragic thing or ukraine you you've uh, certainly got to uh pace yourself with that do you remember the um, speaker at your college commencement yes and uh it will shock a lot of people it was the reverend jesse jackson came and spoke and uh, i uh I uh, I remember our college president saying, I don't agree with everything this man says, but uh, we need to listen to him. And uh, and I thought it was a fast, you know, uh, just the 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 delivery, the speech. It was amazing. I like I said, if I'd seen a transcript of it, I don't know that I would have agreed with uh, a lot of it, but much of it I would have. But uh, wow, what an, a masterful job at doing what he did. It's uh it's uh, it's kind of like someone playing a style of music you may not like, but you recognize, wow, that is a virtuoso right there. And uh, in his prime, uh, uh, Jesse Jackson was amazing. That is such an important statement. That whole analysis of Jesse Jackson is something we all need to realize needs to be a part of our brains. And I, I wish people who disagree with us could see the same thing is to not block out the opportunity to hear a different message because you, you're afraid that you're going to be so opposed to it, so diametrically opposed to it, you actually might miss something. And, yeah, and, you know, years ago, when I was first starting out as a speaker, I met a gentleman here in my community who is a – I spoke in his church for an event, and the Reverend Charles Neal, and he had this British accent, and – so we got to talking, and I said, what did you do? And he said, well, I was, 
actually works for Winston Churchill for a while. And I said, what did you do? And he said, I was a speechwriter, and I was just so taken by this. He actually uh, worked on the draft of the Iron Curtain speech, uh, wow. Charles Neal did. And so he and I were talking, and I'd been studying all the great speakers, uh, and uh, I have recordings of them. And and he said, you know, I, I, I said, I hope you won't take this wrong. I said, Churchill was probably the second best speaker I ever heard, and please don't take this out of context. But just for delivery, for the ability to bring his message, uh, regardless of how corrupt and uh, pathetic it was, uh, the, the greatest speaker I ever heard was Adolf Hitler, to, to, to be who he was and deliver that message. So I, I think we always need to, uh, to, to separate method from message. And uh, unfortunately, in our political, we don't do that very well. Um, yeah, that's, the best speakers, the flash, they get the attention, and uh, you, you've got to look behind that a little bit. That's so so interesting you bring it up, because just that word, Hitler, freezes people and freezes yeah, and, any understanding. But if you watch uh, Triumph of the Will, and uh, Jim is a blind man, so I'm not— I'm not mm -hmm. saying anything to be funny here, but if you watch the film Triumph of the Will, you see the power that that evil man commanded and how he was able to basically hoodwink an entire nation into horrific, horrific crimes. So it, it's fair for us to understand the power and want to harness it for good. I, that's what I always say to people. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, and, but the power of the spoken word is amazing. It, uh, Hitler proved it, but uh, Reverend Neal told me he had gotten he had written a speech for Churchill, and he had gotten a note from Roosevelt, and he was so excited. Uh, and Roosevelt had written, "As long as we have your words and we can prop Winston up in front of a microphone, we will live in a free world." <laughs> and and there's a lot to be said for that. I mean. <laughs> you know, if you go back and listen to Churchill's uh, hedgerow speech or those, wow, that was amazing. Yeah, Winston Churchill and the Iron Curtain speech was delivered here in America the first time the phrase had ever been used. And it's on YouTube for people who want to hear it or see it. And it really is worth your while. I know I'm a history geek, not not as much of a history geek as a lot of people. But those speeches are, are things that really... Uh, they they get implanted into your soul, and I, I encourage everybody to check them out. Jim, I don't want to cut short this week's Winner's Wisdom column. The reason I went to commencement speeches and speeches that mean so much is because this week's Winner's Wisdom column, entitled A Letter to Myself, kind of sounded like it might be a way to give yourself your own commencement speech. Am I way off on this one? No, you're right on the money. I, you know, I was in an event not long ago getting ready to speak, and uh, they had an exercise before me, and it, it was to write a letter to your young self. And I thought, what an amazing thing. And it's an exercise in priorities, because uh, uh, when I was a teenager or young adult, I mean, the whole uh, life came down to, uh, uh, you know, the next football game, getting the right date, and being cool. And... Um, you know, I I don't put a lot of emphasis in being cool anymore, and it, it's probably a good thing. That would not uh, I would not fare well in that. But you know, and and the things you used to prioritize, and uh, you know, it's not a matter always of how well we do what we do. 
it's doing the right thing. I mean, you got to do the right thing next and the next thing right. And uh, there are a lot of people succeeding at doing the wrong thing. And it's very important that you uh, undertake the right thing. You know, as a young man, I uh, uh, even as an athlete, I, I could uh, not take care of myself the way I wanted to. And, uh, you know, I'd get injured on Tuesday. By Thursday, I'm well. Now, I, you know, I, I don't even know what happened to me. And, you know, I, I got, you know, it takes two months to get over anything. <laughs> and, and um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's just a, a different way of looking at things. And, you, you know, cost and value take on a new perspective at this age. And, uh, and I think uh, of the things that I thought were important that really didn't matter. And a lot of things I thought really didn't matter were the most important things. Yeah, and that's why this exercise is something people should really undertake. It's in Jim's uh, column this week called A Letter to Myself, about writing a letter to yourself. Although, Jim, um, I always stop while you're you're speaking and try and scribble down some of the thoughts that you share because you just nailed one again, and it needs to be somewhere on my daily look at Jim Stovall wisdom list. And it is, uh, quote, do the next thing right and do the right thing next. And uh, it's very simple, but I don't know if anybody could argue with that one. I hope not. I mean, it just, you know, that's what life comes down to. And, uh, I mean, you got to do the right thing next and the next thing right. And if you can do that, uh, you're going to have a good day and a good week and a good life. I completely agree. Uh, and, and I think you guys will, too. If you visit jimstovall.com, jimstovall.com, you will see what Jim is up to. But you can also sign up to get the Winner's Wisdom email in your inbox every week. It's free, and it's just a great little step aside from what's going on in the world to get a little direction in the right direction. Jim, I so appreciate you and can't thank you enough for being here every week. Always fun. Talk next week, my friend. 